0: on a problematic podcast we talk about the movies and media from yesteryear and today that may have aged poorly we discuss if they are truly offensive or simply misjudged is it even possible to navigate these landmines without being canceled ourselves listen weekly to find out if the jokes your parents found funny still hold up today i'm calling for a remake of soul man oh god season one of a problematic podcast can be heard on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever else you stream your podcast thank you a we're an a podcast A good story is a powerful thing. It can change laws, lives, even history. But before any story can do all of that, it needs to actually get published. From Justine Harmon and Audio Chuck, this is Killed. The podcast that brings dead stories back to life. In the cutthroat world of journalism, stories don't just get cancelled, They get killed. Binge the first season now and get the full story. Hi, everyone. If you support a person's reproductive rights, please visit rap.org. That's W-R-R-A-P dot O-R-G. Rap helps bridge the financial gap for people who seek an abortion or emergency contraceptives. Here's how they work. RAP stands for Women's Reproductive Rights Assistant Project, but we all know that more people than just cisgender women can get pregnant. They're here to help everyone. RAP is the largest national independent nonprofit abortion fund. They provide urgently needed financial assistance nationwide to individuals seeking abortion services or emergency contraceptives. So if you're a person in need or if you're a person just willing to help, please visit RAP. That's W-R-R-A-P dot O-R-G. That's W-R-R-A-P dot O-R-G today. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Andy Solo, a Blood Rain Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Gray. And today I'm talking to one of my favorite comedians of all time. He is a local legend in New Orleans. He is Ryan Rogers.
1: Hi, Ryan Rogers. Oh, bitch. I'm usually the one promoing people and like hyping them up and being the beast as a host. So that what an intro. Thank you. It's great to be here. You
0: are a local legend. You're amazing. Um Ryan Rogers is local comedian, um, international comedian, about to be everywhere, producer putting things together you have shows upon shows upon shows upon shows upon shows i see you doing everything everywhere all at once um how did you get started with comedy if you don't
1: mind me asking oh my god that's such a good question so i got started in comedy i haven't been doing it that long i'll make two years in comedy next month um so it's kind of been a pretty meteoric but i work really hard so i started um kind of this at the same time that I got sober so I got sober and then maybe a week or two later I started I I did my first stand-up set so that aligns pretty perfectly uh I got sober quit my fancy six-figure tech job uh went to a a book show at Coffee Science here in New Orleans watched it and was like I could do this and the rest is history I, I started producing my own shows within three months I Recorded my first album within six months, dropped it three months after that, and have just stayed consistently working five to seven nights a week, every night of the week, multiple shows. And I travel a lot, and I'm really, really lucky to have the opportunities that I have. And I'm lucky to be cultivating this career here in New Orleans, wherein our comedy scene is incredibly diversity-forward, very Black, very queer, very female, where the straight white men are the minority, and that's so rare in comedy. So I feel very supported by this town, I feel very supported by this community, and it just allows me as a queer person to um, keep bringing people up the ladder and building opportunities at every opportunity that I get. So I know what it's like to be othered, and even in the comedy space, which is such, A place for misfits to build spaces for queer people black performers women uh performers of color to actually amplify their voices so it's been a really fun ride i'm really really happy with it well i
0: know that you have cultivated a lot of growing relationships with a lot of comedians um ryan does my show every thursday queers a comedy over at oz that's a plug um but And every time I have a new, every time I am like, I'm bringing in a new comedian to the show. You seem to know them. How did? Is it just because you work so much that you just meet everyone? Because I was like, like the uh, the last show we did, I when I brought Alana Jay on, I was like, oh, he's not going to know this person. It's going to be great. And you were just like, oh, Alana, yes, yes, Queen work.
1: Not only did I know Alana, she hosted my first album recording, and I. it is because like I work a lot. I also am extremely online um, because I'm of that generation. I'm, I, I turned 35 in July, so I'm a very geriatric millennial uh, who is online a lot, and I try to stay plugged into not only the local scene, but... Like kind of the national and international queer network of clubs and people and who's to know and stuff and i'm always very surprised to find someone on my radar that i've never heard of that makes me extremely excited and i get very obsessive and i'm like who is this person how can i work with them how can i incorporate them into what we are doing uh and especially here in new orleans like we do have a pretty robust comedy scene you can do comedy uh seven nights a week which is really great a lot of the shows overlap so if you can make a show at like seven and then another at nine or ten it's fun um and I put in so many hours at the beginning of my career here that I tried to stay plugged in and, and foster those relationships and the show that I run on Friday nights at the Ugly Dog Saloon called Raw Dog Comedy we've created that space where it's very um level playing field so whether you're that's a plug I thank you. So, whether you're a vet who's been doing this forever and you've like, you know, done the Apollo in New York or you've never been on stage before, you get the same amount of time and you get the same amount of like love and support. So, we tried, when I say we, I mean my husband and I, Drew, who co produced together. uh, We've created such a, you know, we want it to be as democratized as possible. And that has a lot to do with the way comedy has been run for hundreds of years in America, where it's such a high <laughs> And it's such a wait in line, a wait your turn, where I'm like, if you have the fucking talent and you have the balls and you're a writer and you have stage presence and you have inter- I mean, that's kind of a tall order, but if you have some of those natural gifts, like you should be rewarded now. You should be able to make money now, especially if you have the basis for comedy, you know? Even if you haven't been doing stand up that long, but you're a writer, or you're a performer, those skills transfer. And I feel like championing that type of performer is only gonna make everyone else better. You never know who's gonna come up and you wanna support everyone around you.
0: I love that. Um, Now tell me, could you give me three tips for a new comedian or someone who wants to get into comedy? Like if they were gonna do your show at the Ugly Dog Saloon every Friday, That's a plug. What three tips would you give them to do?
1: Oh, the first one's really easy. This is what I would tell anyone. Tip number one is to have something that you're proud of and that you think is funny. And don't worry about the time because a lot of people get really in their heads about, oh my God, it's a four minute thing. I only have like these two jokes I really like. I'm like, tell the fucking two jokes and leave. You do not have to fill this time. Go out with a bang, like see what's working. I think that is so stressful for a lot of comics and a lot of aspiring comics is like the time limit, the light, the li- like it's where I go in that order. If you have one joke that you wrote and you want to say it on stage because it's yours, you feel strongly about it, you think it's fucking hilarious, it makes your friends laugh, you've tried it out, just fucking do it and bounce. Go out with a bang because then you'll get into a real kind of um, virus brain about, I got booked on a show and I have 10 minutes and I have to fill it. Like Even vets do that. And it's like, no, if you have seven that are great right now, new, old, whatever, you have hit, just do them and leave. No one's ever gonna be mad that you're like, well, he didn't do 10 and he has 10. <laughs> That's so dumb. And I know, Daniel, you give a lot of newer queer comedians the platform uh at Oz and I think that's I don't think you understand what you're how valuable what you're doing is but you're seeing a lot of very new comics stretch and they're learning the hard way that it's like Daniel gave me 15 to 20 I only really have about eight but but I can flex here so it's 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 you know a little chicken egg but if you're brand new or you've never started it go in with what you feel strongly about over time you will learn to be on stage longer riff do crowd work build but at the beginning like do what you're confident about that was a really long answer the other two that's
0: it no that's it that's a really good answer because when i do give people 15 to 20 minutes and they're like i have 10 i'm just like do the fucking 10 do 10 just do do you bounce tell me what bounce. Just you don't have to wait for my me to flash a light you can leave
1: <laughs> you can say this and, is my last know, thing i love that about you um because there are a lot of comics here who um like one of my best friends his name is pickle i'm the godfather of his son so i can say this we are close his mic is every tuesday at another bar and it's seven minutes per comic that's a lot of time um and pickle will encourage you to fill the space i feel differently neither are right but it's like there's a time and place for that like if you're a working professional comic you can either you you will probably come more prepared to fill those seven if you're new don't feel that pressure you don't need it you don't need that pressure go work on what you want to work on and leave it's totally fine you i would rather feel better about a good two minutes than a mediocre seven you know yeah yeah all right what are your other two tips Okay, so I think it's very important to lead with kindness when working in comedy. I know that's so cliche. I know it's ridiculous. But my husband, who works in politics and has his whole entire life, has taught me a lot about personality management, especially in this industry. Because people want to work with people they like working with. It's not always the funniest person. It's not always the person who's the best writer. I have people in my life in comedy that I fucking love working with. I think they're a pleasure, they're on time, they don't show up drunk or stoned, they do their time, thank you, they leave, I then mow them. Because I'd rather work with someone reliable than like, yo, this motherfucker is just a killer. I wanna have a mix of that, but I think if you're just starting out, treat this like a business. Which leads to my third tip, if you wanna make a career out of this, if you're like, I think I'm pretty good at comedy, I've done it a few times, I would like to invest more into this. Putting on your business hat, I think will put you in the 1% of comics who make it. It's that easy. Thinking about your worth, thinking about booking venues that value performer money and time, I think is just so crucial because you'll see a lot of comics who are just like, yo, this dive bar with zero foot traffic in a weird part of the city is giving me a stage. I'm taking it and doing a weekly mic and I'm like, You're making this so much harder for yourself than going for venues that have like a built-in audience, a community theater that might have its own show schedule that you can just slot into and they'll help you with the promo. You won't be all on your own. There's little things like that about how can I make this more financially successful for myself and have longevity and have sustainable income. Comics don't think that way. They're just like, I want a mic and work on my craft. You should be doing that. You should be working outside of the mic constantly on writing, performing, memorizing, all that shit. You wanna make this, you wanna make this a career and have, like I have a monthly quota that I need to make financially. I do. And I think that's really important to be like, well, I know numbers aren't sexy. I know public relations isn't sexy. I know that working out negotiations is difficult, but like, brah, that is work that's work you know what i mean it's a job it's it's your job it's a job and i think daniel like there's so much of a cognitive dissonance with comics because they're like i'm an artist and i'm like no i'm a fucking artist i went to school for fucking painting i went to noca i got into savannah college of Art. i'm a fucking artist and i can tell you that the art takes place a lot of times outside of the mic, and that's where a lot of that shit is honed and crafted and tested you can test it on stage you also have to be very savvy about building your brand with venues that believe in you, that can afford you, that want to invest in you. And it sounds a lot like easier said than done, but you never know. And a lot of the big venues that I produce shows at, it's just because I asked. It's not because I'm smarter. It's not because I had any secrets. I just asked, I was prepared. I created a pitch deck. I showed up, I made the meetings. And I think that I've learned from a lot of smarter comics than me about how to do shit like that. So.
0: I love that. You went to, did you go to Savannah College of Art and Design? That's where I went, alma
1: mater, what, what? Did you really? No, I couldn't afford it. I got the scholarship, but I made sure (laughs) that I I, I wanted to slide that in to be like, look, like I know what I'm talking about. I didn't know you went to Savannah. What'd you go for, theater?
0: No, I went for film and television and sound design.
1: Fuck yeah. Good for you.
0: It was, it was a lot. Um, but this is not about me. This is about you. Let's talk about you. Where did you, I want to get personal for a second. Hit me. Um, where did you meet your husband and how long have you been together?
1: Well, you know that we work as a couple, but because we have conflicting stories about how we met. So, you know, things are going well, six years later. (laughs) Uh, my story is that we were in a queer dodgeball league here in New Orleans called Stonewall which I'd been a member of for a while. Drew was fairly new. I knew who he was. At the same time, I had a blog called Exploit for Material that was like pretty big that I invested a lot in. Uh, it was all personal sex and relationship essays that you can still find online at ex that I've now parlayed into a dating game show that I do now. So I had That's this a plug. blog. That's a, I'm plug, plug city. I'm a, I'm a plug pug. I, I uh, love it. Thanks. So I had this blog and a lot of the gays in Louisiana and beyond knew me for that. Like that was kind of like, i was synonymous with it. And so one day I got some fan mail from Drew and he was like, love your blog. Think you're a great writer. Would love to meet up sometime. And so we went to drinks. Um, that's back that when I drank and kind of hit it off immediately. And that was six years ago. So. Technically, he likes to say we met playing dodgeball, and I'm like, yeah, but you were also a groupie, so we need to tell people that. And he doesn't love like <laughs> that. Love that. Uh, word of advice, Daniel, if you're ever in a fight with a significant other and you say, you know what? When we met, you were just a fan. That's not gonna go over well, because I have said that and couldn't come back from it.
0: Well, that's the only type of person I want to marry now is a fan.
1: That's <laughs> it, I want to mar- marry my number one stalker. That's all I want now. Well, be careful what you look for because that fan might be your manager someday and fully in charge of your money. (laughs) 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 Bitch, I might get Yolanda. I'm just, it's just hitting me.
0: Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Let's not hope for that. No Yolanda ing.
1: No Yolanda ing.
0: In this situation, (laughs) Um, what do you hope for in your career future? Do you want to
1: be the next big gay Kevin Hart? that's such a funny question you know what part of the fun of this especially in within my my first two years is figuring that out that's the fun of comedy like all what like all arts you know it would be wonderful of me you know I, I just put on this Pete Davidson show this morning and I just think it's so funny that like Pete Davidson has had multiple properties by like major studios in indie, like a, his new show on Peacock. He had his movie, The King of Staten Island with Judd Apatow. He's had multiple giant high profile properties made about his personal life. I think that's fucking crazy. I love, I mean, I don't, it, my feelings about Pete Davidson aside, something like that is just so cuckoo to me. And I feel like that is such an aspirational American dream type of comic situation in which like, I'm just going to keep reinventing my life story over and over again in media. I think that is like, I can't think of a higher aspirational thing, (laughs) you know, would I love to have ex Boyfriend material, which I trademarked years ago, be a property owned by, you know, that I sell the rights to HBO. Yeah, that would be great. That's a great end goal for me. Um, but I, I think my, my party line right now, like my boilerplate is like in comedy, I would like to have a big property that I, that's based on my brand and my writing and my collection of life's work. Be a big piece of intellectual property while also having my comedy on stage personality complemented. That's what I want. Does
0: that make sense? I love that. Yes, that does. That makes perfect sense. Okay. And I think ex boyfriend material would be great for that. Ex boyfriend material trademark. Love that.
1: And, you know, um, there's a million examples like there's Trainwreck, The Property, The Movie, and Amy Schumer's comedy career. You know, there, there's a thousand of those. There's Seinfeld and Seinfeld. There's, I could go on and on and on. They're shrill and... Whatever her name is. Whatever. Well, I know Aidy Bryant, but I couldn't think of the author. Sorry, I'm a
0: think think. I couldn't think of AD Bryant. Um, now let's get into the big plug of it all. You have the Queer Comedy Festival, LGBT LOL, coming up in June. hmm How did that get started? Do you what? want the real story, Daniel? Or do you want I would PR? love the real. You could, Okay, we could give the PR version and then the real real.
1: I'm gonna, so, yeah, fuck it. Well, let, yeah, let's do it. So this is a space for queer comics from all around America to come to New Orleans and be hilarious together. That's what I want. I have met so many queer performers on the road who I think, I'm biased, are better. Than everyone else. Sorry, you can, you can hang me for that. I, <laughs> so much talent across America that I'm like, we need to harness this. Um, and that makes me really happy and excited. I think that female comics and black comics and gay comics and comics of color are API comics are just funnier. I just think that, and I don't care who hates me for saying it. And I want to bring people to this city, which We are starting to rebuild post-pandemic as a comedy-like destination. And I wanna make sure that they come to New Orleans to kick off Pride Month and just have a nice time. That is my lowest bar for this festival. Leave this festival saying that you had a great time. I I know it's the first time we're taking it national. We did it last year. It was a one-day festival with three shows at Comedy House. During the, during the Pride Parade, at the ex- we fucked up and we booked it at the same time as the Pride Parade on Bourbon Street, and it was still sold out. So once that happened, I was like, fuck it, we're going all in. So that's what we've been working on. And we're very lucky to have dozens and dozens of queer and ally performers from this city and all the way, you know, Philly, Boston, New York, LA, San Francisco, everywhere, Chicago, they're all coming um, June 1st through 4th here to New Orleans. We have seven venues, 12-plus shows right now. Um, and then tickets for the full festival are 99 bucks. And we have individual show and day passes available, too. That's the PR statement. Okay, love it. Getting, getting real is I got rejected from a gay comedy festival, and I was like, fuck it, I'm a big <laughs> That's my Mark Zuckerberg social network story where like somebody hurt me, so.
0: (laughs) Well, fuck it. I'm going to do it myself, which is aspirational and good for you. I'm, I love, I love that because I'm King Petty. Like, it's the reason I do Queers of Comedy um, at Oz, that's a plug, every Thursday because... I wanted a space for queer comedians. I was told by another venue in the city that they don't think that there's enough, nobody's gonna wanna see that. Nobody cares about gay, whatever, they just want you to be funny. And I was like, yeah, that's great. You keep booking straight white dudes here every fucking week. Like, where's the queer representation? And they were yeah. like, they're like, uh, ah, we don't think about stuff like that. And I was like, well, King Petty, fuck you. I'm gonna go get this and get this show started
1: i just love it yeah that's how we started that so So that's how i love a penny story i agree and i'm so glad you did because it's such a consistent thing that like those of us who have done it the two dozen or so that have done queers of comedy have nothing but great things to say about it the new the newer ones get to stretch and learn how to be on stage longer than they're comfortable with and people like me get to I have a thing with your show, I don't know if I've ever told you this, that the first time I did your show, I was so nervous, because it was like, my first time had, I was pacing around, I woke up at 3am, and I printed out eight pages and put them on my island to figure out what my 45 were going to be, and like, really stressed about it. And then when I got there, one of the bartenders said something to the effect of like, there was a comic here, we all, we know who we're talking about, and we love, we love and adore him. Yep um there was a comic here who did this show as his own like residency and he really didn't change a word from his set week to week so we got kind of bored someone from your staff like the odd staff said that and I really got in my head it was a good thing though all of this are all of these things are good things because now every week I'm like I'm never doing the fucking same set if I have to write new jokes I'm doing it so that's what I love about your show too where like new people can get comfortable being on stage new queer performers and queer performers who do have stage time could be like, I'm mixing it up because I'm not boring these fucking bartenders. Because they're the only <laughs> consistent audience that I've had at every show. So at least, at least I want to hit them with a few new laughs every show. So I, I love your show for that reason, where I'm like, well, I'm not coming. I can't phone it in on Thursdays because <laughs> we'll, Zach and Jojo and Chi Chi and Daniel have heard all my <laughs> shit, so.
0: Well, we love having you. Um, I want to know, how did you manage to get in contact with all of these performers that you have
1: at the LGBT LOL, and are you thinking of ever touring it? Uh, The first, to answer your first question, to get in contact with them, we open submissions, and we're treating this like a national comedy festival. I have been a member of several, even in my first two years, I've done, what, 10 comedy festivals already, I have as a performer, and I learned a lot about what I like and what I don't like. And so when we opened submissions, we made sure before we even got set up, we had a fucking awesome website that looks like no other comedy festival. All the branding is spot on by Tanya Rosenwig, who is a uh, Latinx designer out of Austin, who I've worked with for years, who I think is phenomenal. And so she did all the branding, made the website look good. We got a lot of social shit that looks pretty fucking pristine. So we got all of that in order before we opened submissions on a national level. And we posted in a lot of massive Facebook groups for comedy festivals and for queer specific performers. And so we opened it up and we had over a hundred submissions and over the course of like two months. Wow. And then uh, our selection team got together and reviewed all of them and scored them all in like multiple categories. Like we did this for real. Like we're even the people we know, the people we're friends with here in New Orleans, we're like, we got to look at it objectively. And some people didn't make it. And we really had to, we had to make a lot of tough calls. Um, I wish I could have taken everybody, but hopefully we'll have more funding next year. We'll have more space. It'll be bigger. I can only see this growing exponentially hand over fist year over year. I think this is gonna be a major fucking deal, which is why we probably will tour it. So I went on tour for Mardi Gras this year called the Fat Tuesday Comedy Tour, something I also created with my husband and JQ Palms and Matt LaRocca. And we took Mardi Gras as three sober comics. We took Mardi Gras during Mardi Gras to cities around America. Nashville, Memphis, Little Rock, Chicago. It was really fun. And it was pretty manageable. It was stressful and hard, but LGBTLOL is already packaged. It's not, we're just, it's, it's already made. It's just kind of like, how do you repurpose it and take it on the road. And I think that could be quite spectacular where I would probably go and host it and source local talent wherever I go. I would love to do that. I already did that with Cherry for the Virgin Hotel. I did with that Tuesday. It's not getting my feet wet with those OG tours were were a lot of fun. And I hosted, uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I, you know, not even a year into my comedy career, I hosted Without Rhyme or Reason, which is a mental health comedy tour that stopped at sororities around America. And I know it's pretty impressive. I'm very proud of it. I'm no longer affiliated with the organization, but I it was a, it was all women and all women of color from around, around America featured. And we had people like Courtney B from Wild and Out and Dicey from LA. And um, with Marnie, we had uh, Val Burba from Dallas. Like all these really good comics of color, these women come and feature. And we stopped at 18 sorority houses between Gainesville and Lubbock.
0: I fun. love that
1: did yeah, really you
0: what makes you so invested in in the not just queer culture but uh people of color what makes you so invested in that in those communities in the, that
1: representation because representation is fucking important anyway and I I you know I learned a lot um I, I'm gonna be honest I learned a lot I grew, I've, I've been raised in the city and my dad taught me very young that you can't afford to be racist or homophobic in New Orleans. He's like, you just can't afford it. like it because it's this is just such an important city for black culture and gay culture. He's like, what what are you gonna do? Like, you can't afford to. You might as well be a part of this thriving incredible culture that we have. He's like, if you got a fucking drag queen walking down the street at four in the afternoon down Decatur, that's part of our city. You just have to like champion it and and make sure that you as a fucking white guy, gay white guy, I made a joke last night for the first time where I was like, we all know that gay guys are the straight guys of the queer community. So I apologize. Okay. You know? But as a as a white guy, I still have an, an incredible amount of privilege where I'm like, well, fuck it. Like, I know what it's like to be other, And far be it for me, if I have a door open for me, to not let other people through it while I can, with every little opportunity I have. And to be completely honest, I think the Black women in this city, the comics, are the best ones. Put them on your fucking shows, because they're better. <laughs> like, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that, and it's as simple as, like, I... I'm going to use whatever little privilege and and stage presence and shit to fucking get those people more as much as I can. The performers who I think have not only earned it, but don't get the opportunities elsewhere.
0: Okay. Your top three comedians of all time.
1: Oh, fuck you. Um, (laughs) Watch out the gate. that's three white guys. And I'm like, oops. Um... (laughs) Of all time, I I mean, Ali Wong is still really recently kind of new on my radar. I just think she is a fucking master at using silence. And the way she begins her sets like like, she doesn't have no. Hello. No. Nice to be here. It's just she's just like, I think it's odd like that. She'll just start talking like that. I think it is masterful. I think Taylor Tomlinson is someone that I've modeled a lot of my own comedy off of. I think she's incredible. and I think, I mean, I, I would say Mulaney, but I've seen Mulaney probably the most, I've seen him the most live, John Mulaney. Um, but I still think Wanda Sykes can get me in a way that like most people can't, where it's just, I'm just crying from the minute it starts type of thing, you know? So I think Ali I, Wong Taylor and Wanda Sykes.
0: Okay, okay, I, I love Ali Wong. I'm not familiar with Taylor Tomlinson.
1: She's gonna fuck you up. She's got all of her specials on Netflix. You're gonna die. You're gonna be so angry because she started doing comedy as like a tween or like 13 or 14 stand up comedy in church basement. So now she's like, what, 27 and she's just the best. Like, it's very upsetting. She's very good. I've seen her live here in New Orleans too.
0: I've seen Wanda Sykes and Wanda Sykes didn't get me to piss myself. Because, like, I just love her. I agree. Um, so, I think that that's besides Taylor Tomlinson, I think that's a good top three. I want to check her out, though. Who are you? I'm yours? Gonna, um, mine, I okay, so Joan Rivers, because I worked with her um, in New York City, and uh, she gave me some of the best advice and a piece of jewelry. Um, and I live, I just live for her. I lived for her even before I met her. Yeah, um, I would say uh, Richard Pryor makes me laugh, uh, and I don't look at him from a 2023 perspective because you can't. Uh, I I look at him from his time, but he makes me laugh. Um, and I would say to give Ali Wong is my favorite newest newer comedian,
1: Fine, even new. though I know she, I know she's not new, but she's just. She cracks me up. Yeah, Hard Knock Wife and Don Wong, I think, are so. Especially the first ten minutes of Don Wong are so strong, where it's just like, why am I even trying? Like that type of thing. Where you're watching, you're like, well, what, what do I have to say? This is just pacing-wise, it's just like, it feels like a real ro- like, click, 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 click. That's how it feels to me. I love her. You could and tell.
0: Yeah. Sh- you could tell she's a strong, strong writer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and simple. The premises are so simple, like lying to men while you jack them off, like giving them blowjobs so that it ends faster. You have to tell them lies. It's just funny. That's so simple, duh. But it's just like here it is. And if you haven't seen her dramatic shit in, in Beef, stop what you're doing and start watching Beef yesterday. It's the best. That's show a of
0: plug. Shows.
1: Yeah, um, Beef is incredible, and it'll make you fall in love with it where you're like, oh, I thought I liked this bitch. Now I'm like obsessed.
0: I'm. I'm four episodes in um and i can't wait to finish it i just have to find time
1: um you who has who has all the time in the world
0: (laughs) um i have three more questions for you Yep. and well right it's such an honor for for you to be doing it for it's an honor for me to have you do this this is please
1: stop this is a pleasure
0: um okay Where do you
1: see yourself in five years? Dead. No. No, (laughs) No, I want, I want to be, I want LGBTQOL to be in a place where it's like I can just oversee it, because right now it's me and Drew literally sending out every DM, making every Instagram square, making every phone call. It's just the two of us. We don't really have a team or a board yet. It's really like informal. so in five years, I'd like LGBT L.O.L. to be like a trademark branded queer thing that we tour that is massive, that if it outgrows New Orleans, it outgrows New Orleans. It's fine. Um, and I would like to see myself in a really financially stable place with comedy where I am either in writer's rooms or I... Have regularly and monthly produced things that I can also oversee that I can hand off. I like, I like building and handing off. I, that's part of like, great, you're managing this, cool. I let me just sign the checks and stuff. I mean, that's that's what I do like about managing. Um, and I would really like my husband and I to be in a really uh, really like strong place in terms of like our the way we manage our projects comedically, because I don't I see it's always being in partnership on the business side of my comedy he's been here since the beginning he manages all of it he even runs tech and the light at raw dog every week like he's in this he produces these shows he does the lineups a lot for our shows that's true that's not in politics and what he's a he's a workhorse we had our comedy meeting this morning that we have every friday morning it's two hours every friday we never miss and if we do we have to make it up like you there's no getting out of the comedy meeting where he goes over my entire schedule everything i have every single show she pay for this one, how much? Did it, did it, did it, did it. So I want to see us in five years in such a stronger, more relaxed place in our business relationship that we couldn't focus more on having fun. So I think those are pre- three pretty simple goals that like, you know, I can be managed better, we can manage better together and that the projects I have can be in the right hands when I'm ready to step aside.
0: I will tell you, your comedy meeting is part of the advice that Joan Rivers gave me um she says i have it right here my little notebook with all my shows written down in it um she said to write everything keep a ledger of everything write everything everything." she goes because this is the business this is not just fun write everything
1: write your jokes write your shows write your money I think that is the the best advice, Daniel, that anyone could have in this business. It's so fucking true. I have very organized, I mean, it's one of the only things in my life that are organized and structured. And to be completely honest, comedy and sobriety has completely, I have rejected the idea of a. I'm not even kidding. Even when I worked in corporate for 16 years at Google and Pandora and Chegg and all of these ad agencies, my very illustrious advertising career, I did not keep a calendar. Did not keep a notebook. I don't want it. It feels too structured to me. I'm a fucking drug addict. I'm an alcoholic. No, I, I don't want it. But comedy and sobriety have made me be like, no, my jokes are incredibly organized. I would be happy to show anyone my documents and it'll blow your fucking dick off because it is so meticulous. And our comedy scheduling, every single tab in that Google sheet is from the first month I started comedy. Every day of the week, scheduled out. It's the only way this See, works.
0: It is. That's amazing um how has sobriety changed your life
1: and career? In every, in every way when i got sober that's when i looked at my career and i was you know i was i'm really good at this i still do it freelance i'm still on like a retainer with an agency in baton rouge like a monthly retainer at like a set amount of hours to do advertising work for them so i still do that that's how i help keep the lights on and put food on the table still um, but I had to step away because I was really, really, I am really, really good at this. I'm a, I'm a writer. I, I, I was on the, I was the chief writer at Google, at Google in Mountain View for the 2018 pride campaign. This is family. I wrote it. I've done a name, a client. I've worked with Disney. I've worked with Mercedes Benz. I've worked with Frito. That's Way. amazing. I worked for NASA for three years. Uh, what? and Yeah, bitch. Go check out HeyRyanRogers.com. That's just my work portfolio. That's not even comedy, where it's got, you know, all my shit I did for like Popeyes and fucking Clorox. So I'm really good. It lives in my bones. I'm very good at it. However, it did make me want to use a lot and it did make me, it's soul crushing. So once I got sober, I cleaned up and it just went off like a light bulb. After doing this for 15, 16 years, I was like, I fucking hate this shit. (laughs) I I was 24 overseeing two offices as a creative director. It's 24, like running people twice my age. And I I, I earned a lot of success and I'm very proud of my career, but I'd like to think that it's behind me. And when sobriety came into my life, when I stopped, when I put down the cocaine and stopped drinking, I was like, you know, I talk about this a lot in therapy, that like I'm an artist and advertising was a, a way for me to cheat and be like, no, I'm still an art. I'm still making art. Yeah, I'm writing. No, I'm fucking not. I need to be doing vulnerable, like soul-bearing shit, painting, drawing with charcoal on large-scale craft paper, ma- ma- writing comedy. I have to be doing something because that's, that's what I have to give. And so sobriety allowed me to go back to that. I'm back to who I was in high school and grammar school. I'm back to being a kid again in terms of like, I just I have to give, I have to give. So sobriety has really helped me. It's tough sometimes working in bars every night, but I don't think about it like that. I can be in bars for four or five hours at a time, and the idea of having a drink would never cross my mind because I'm fucking working. And I've never gone on stage after a shot or a hit of a blunt or a line. It's never happened. So why would I do it now, you know? There's, it wouldn't benefit I
0: love, me. I love that. Yeah. Um so to much laugh- last question which one is your favorite housewife real housewife city
1: are you ready for this i have never in my life seen an episode of the kardashians or the housewives ever what kind of gay are you i know it's my cultural blind spot and every time i got really close to watching miami for the first time because i keep hearing shit about that in salt lake city i know who all these people are because i live in the world and i'm a gay person but I know who, like, I don't know, Dorinda and Candy and Nini. I know who these people are. I just don't have... I've never seen an episode, and I kind of... I'm going to keep it this way until I die, because I think it's fun. Where I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no fucking clue.
0: I I love that for you. It's, I love that for you.
1: It's crazy, because it's so out of character. And all of my girlfriends, gays, everyone has knows everything. Like, even Vanderpump Rules. I have been to both Sir and Pump. I have never seen the show once i don't know who these people are i know who i know that there is someone named lala i know that's a thing but i don't know anything beyond anything (laughs) i I need to keep it that way baby because like the minute i watch one episode of housewives that's going to be my entire personality and life moving forward so i know you know it is It is. you know what you know
0: what you stay sober from all the things stay sober from drugs alcohol and reality television i love that for you that's I, a clean I'm
1: gonna, life i'm gonna change my answer to my favorite housewife season is little women atlanta season one little women atlanta
0: <laughs> with I miss, do
1: love little and women. miss minnie and stuff like you ever watch that little women atlanta? I,
0: i've seen i've seen an episode i think it's
1: worth it but that's the only thing where i was like okay we're gonna do this I saw one commercial and was like, this is my whole life now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ryan Rogers, thank you so, so much for sitting here and doing this with me. It has been an honor to have you here. You are busier beyond belief. So I thank you for taking this time out to do this. Um, Brandy Solo, we're here once a month, the first Sunday of the month, to interview my favorite independent artist ryan Riders, thank you so so much
1: i love you Daniel. anything you else you mother? have to say i know i just think you're a wonderful person and you swooping in to this comedy scene and being someone who is also championing queer people like this makes me feel so much less alone and i really appreciate you being here and i love i love chatting with you today as i do every time i chat with you so anytime you want to have me back i will be here and i look forward to seeing you <laughs> on thursday
0: um bitch we need to talk about that nasa thing next time all right ryan riders thank you so much bye you did. guys have a great day and a good night